Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let me tell you about something about Anchor. If you ever want to start your own podcast or create your own podcast, Anchor makes it really easy. First of all, it's absolutely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more popular platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All gas, no brakes. And now we have liftoff. Welcome in to the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. As always, I'm your host, John June. And of course, as always, got my guy, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, what is going on, man? What's up, John? Not much, man. Not much. We are, uh, I mean, we've got a little bit of a schedule conflict going this weekend anyway. You know, I've got some personal things going on. But perfect time. We're sitting here trying to decide when to record. And we get this bombshell uh, in terms of some news, and it is now it is ha- it has officially happened. Uh, Sam Darnold, the Sam Darnold era uh, in in New York in the green and white as a New York Jet, uh, as the starting New York Jets quarterback is officially over. Uh, as he has been traded to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for a 2021 sixth round pick, as well as a, a 2022. Second round pick in addition to a 2022 fourth round pick. So, Frank, we are reacting to this trade. So I ask you, what is your reaction to the trade? My reaction? Well, first of all, emergency press conference. Let's go. I was, uh, (laughs) man, I I was hoping for this trade for weeks, uh, probably months. As soon as, you know, all the talk around Justin Fields and Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. The Jets needed to cut bait with Sam Darnold, get what they can get, and move on to the next phase of Jets football. You know, we talked about this in our our first podcast, our second podcast, our third podcast about what the Jets should do with Sam. You know, you heard reports uh, coming out that the Jets might go with both quarterbacks and let them compete in training camp, and I was definitely against uh, that notion, you know, you always hear if you have two quarterbacks, that really means that you have zero. Yeah, man. I mean, we talked about 
Frank, uh, Frank, you're Frank. We talked about Sam being traded uh, because it, it just made sense, right? It's the only thing that really made sense. I mean, you, you know, having two quarterbacks here, having him come back in with whichever rookie you do end up drafting, um, and complain, you know, playing with him, competing with him, sounds great on paper and stuff, and you know, like if you're playing Madden, but you know that stuff doesn't really work out in terms of like a team. Uh, team building, the confidence of both of those guys, uh, all, you know, just the reps that you're giving, you know, all these things, um, you know, just don't, you know, they don't make sense. So uh, that, you know, again, like we said, didn't really seem to, to make to be the route that they would go or that they should go. So being able to get something here, being able to make this trade, ideally, you would have wanted to get, you know, a higher pick in this year's draft. Um, cause we always talked about using that, you know, the pick that you get in the Donald trade and who's to say they can't use them, right? Cause they could still use them, but, uh, you know, you would have liked to use them this year to help get this team better, but teams knew where the jets were at in terms of negotiations. They knew that the jets kind of were, were going to draft a quarterback They were going to move on from Sam Donald. They weren't going to pay him and that they were going to eventually trade him. So the jets had to make a decision. And so I think in any negotiation, right, you know, if if it, if if the sign of a good negotiation is when both team when both parties have to take a compromise, and I think both parties, the Jets and Carolina, both take a compromise here, uh, with the Jets getting a pick in next year's draft, a, a higher pick in next year's draft as opposed to this year's draft, and Carolina doesn't have to give up a second round pick or a premium pick in this year's draft. And they that just doesn't preclude them from being able to still get a quarterback if one of these these you know stud quarterbacks falls to them in the first round. Yeah, and we've been saying it all along. And JD, we trust, right? And and how I feel, I feel really confident in Joe Douglas right now. More so after this trade because it shows me that this is not going to be a quick rebuild for him to take the two and the four next year that we're probably looking at a two to three year rebuild right now uh you know you saw that in free agency where he didn't throw he threw some money around but he didn't go crazy like uh McCagnan did when McCagnan first got here with uh all the trades that that he made um you know I'm just really befuddled by a lot of the Jet fans I was on the phone with my father uh, right after me and you talked about the parameters of this trade that went down with Carolina. And my father said he's as as heartbroken as when the Jets traded Broadway Joe Namath to the Rams. And I was like, I was like, how is that possible? I said, what has this kid done? I said, it's a, a results-driven league. Yeah, the kid got the short end of the stick by getting a lame duck coach as – as a rookie, and then probably the worst coach, definitely that the Jets have ever had, and he's on the list of the top five worst coaches in the history of the league. You know, it sucks, but you know that's the NFL; it's a business. Yeah, I mean, I I, I could understand where your father's coming from because you really think about it. I mean, Chad Pennington, Mark Sanchez brought us two AFC Championship games, but really, who of the Jets really, who of Jet fans really had? to really cling themselves to as a franchise quarterback for the green and white. You know, Mark Sanchez, like I alluded to, 
that fizzled out really quickly. Sam Darnold, I mean, it seems like we it almost never got lit, but he's he you know he didn't take a lot of the blame that a lot of these other guys have taken. Because, like you said, he didn't get a fair shake. And so people have felt like a lot of the stuff that's happened hasn't been his fault. And, you know, I'll be one of them. But, I, you know, like I said, there's there's two sides to every story. Sam Darnold, while he hasn't, the Jets didn't do right by him, there have been, obviously, there were things that that he could have done better along the way. But at the same time, how can you really blame him given the situation that he was in? Bad habits oh, I, are going to be no, formed absolutely. in situations and I think the only like other that. quarterback that you, so, know, you, you really could compare this situation to would be Ken O'Brien. But the uh, the real problem that I, I had with Sam was Sam coming out of USC, he had the turnover problems. That was his not coming out of USC. And you really saw saw that hero ball uh, fester the last couple of years with Gates when he was trying to make something out of nothing and he would throw into triple coverage, throw into... Four-man coverage, you know, the defense would, being that, knew that we didn't have any receivers, would throw cloud at him, and he would still try to fit the the ball in there. And it, me watching as, you know, a former defensive player would drive me crazy. Like, how do you not see that they're in cloud or cover two or cover three with the safety over the top? You know, it just get really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I... I think that you know, like you said, he he teams know he doesn't have weapons, right? Teams know he doesn't have a good receiver, right? And so he's he's like again forcing these forming these bad habits because he doesn't have maybe the the time or his feet aren't necessarily positioned that the way they're supposed to be because he's he's worried about pressure that may or may not be there um, and things like that. But you know what? I have I have faith that he's going to go on to Carolina and. You know, Matt Rule, who's a coach that really wanted the Jets job, uh, you know, unfortunately didn't happen for uh, other reasons. But, you know, Joe Brady is a is an offensive coordinator, one that we thought uh, would have been great here as a has a head coach as a potential head coach candidate. And so he's going to go back to playing with a receiver like Robbie Anderson, who they had great chemistry back here in New York. Uh, you know, DJ Moore, who's one of the up and coming receivers in the league, Christian McCaffrey, who's one of the best dual threat running backs in the NFL. I mean, again, Sam Darnold's going to a situation that he's never, ever had in New York. And I'm excited to see what he will do. Obviously, we we know that what this means for the green and white, they will for sure be drafting a quarterback with the number two overall pick. Uh, so, Frank, you and I, we yeah, worked but, on a little yeah. draft here. Yeah, we'll get to that so in a little bit, uh, John. But that. I think I wanted to touch on like how bad McCagnan was. If you think about what the Jets traded Darnold for and for what we had to trade up to get Darnold, we traded three number twos for Darnold. And if you go back and look at the, um, the Jets' recent first-round picks, at, at least we'll go back to... Um, McCagnin's tenure, none of them are on the team anymore. Yeah, I mean, well, McCagnin, Mike McCagnin was terrible, and, and we knew this. I mean, Jamal Adams was probably the best player he's drafted, and he landed in his lap. He didn't have to do anything. Sam Darnold, uh, I mean, you could look at the trade to, to go up from 6-3, to three, uh, but when you consider the fact that players like Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson were both drafted after that spot and would have been there at 6 for you to draft... I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but the Sam Darnold trade 
say what you you know say what you will like you said it's a results driven league did not pan out so you know it, it did look smart at the time it was it was a good it was a, I thought it was a good uh trade to make I thought it was you know great to be proactive you know, you just didn't do what you else you had to do to continue. Yeah, to and build, I think that's the bigger indictment on McCagnan. Yeah, definitely. So, moving forward, let's move into this um, this conversation about the yeah, mock really draft that you and it. I did, Frank. So, you, yeah, you had. So we kind of just alternated through. We we went through the whole league, um. And so, you know, we we won't we won't no, go we, we won't go into detail on every pick, right? But we'll talk specifically about about the Jets ones. We um the number one pick, you know, I, I pretty much I I guess I had that one. I don't know really know how this That's kinda started. Hard, right? I think Frank just wanted to make the Jets pick, so um I that's really that's exactly how it went. So I ended up uh picking Trevor Lawrence to go number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so, Frank, who did you give to our New York Jets at two? I picked from the Ohio State University, Justin Fields. And I know Jets Universe is going to be split on this. I'm probably going to get some feedback from a lot of my buddies on Twitter. But I just think when you look at this pick and you look at the two quarterbacks, you have to pick the player to where the league is going, not to where the league is right now. And you hear Zach Wilson's the best fit for the Shanahan offense and match made in heaven. I get that. Fine. Cool. I'll be happy and I'll support either player. But Justin Fields just brings a different dynamic. Um, when you break When you break down his film and you hear the naysayers saying he can't go through his progressions. That's that's false. He goes through his progressions. He just wasn't given the opportunity at times to go through his progressions at Ohio State based on the type of offense that they ran. And that's not a knock on him. He's just doing what he's told. And I think that's a good thing. I think you want a player that's coachable. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm with you 100%. Um, you know, we've talked about this almost all the time on this show, and we've talked about it off air if we were making this pick if I could turn this card in myself it would be Justin Fields Uh, I just don't feel like that's what the New York Jets are going to do I feel like they're going to take Zach Wilson and like we said there's nothing wrong with Zach Wilson Zach Wilson is going to be a phenomenal football player he's going to be a phenomenal pro I just think when I look at Justin Fields and I look at like you said where the league is going and where it is right now a player like Justin Fields is in that mold. 6'3", 228 pounds, ran 4'4", at the com or at, at his pro day. Uh, dude has a a rocket launcher for a right arm, but he's accurate. We're talking about like like elite level accuracy here from Justin Fields, and you know it's almost like. There's not even a competition between him and, and Zach Wilson. And I don't know how it ended up like this. That we're at this point where it's by far Zach Wilson is the number two pick. Justin Fields would be lucky to still be in the top five. And I don't know where this where this stuff is coming from. Bro, it makes no sense to me. And the, and the Wilson fans feel like a need to knock Justin Fields. Like, they, like, no one saw that Clemson game when he... 
played on three broken ribs, begged to get back out there, and willed his team to win that ball game. Like, did we did we all not watch that game? Did he not look like the best quarterback on that field when Trevor Lawrence, who is the unanimous number one pick, was playing in that game and he got outplayed by Justin Fields with broken ribs? Yeah, I mean, I I still I still give Trevor some uh so, some leeway. No, without a doubt, he has. A no, I'm talking about work, in that game. I gave him some leeway in that game because he was dealing with some stuff on the offensive side between offensive coaches and players and things like that. But I'm with you, Justin Fields. Played his butt off in that game, willed his team to a victory through an injury. Gotta love everything about that. Uh, and but like you said, and yeah, it's a semifinal it's a game, game, right? But like you it's said before, te- people feel the need to knock down a player just to say they like a player, and that's one of the things that really bugs me. And it's one of the things that happens in fantasy often too. Is you know you'll hear people say, "Oh, I like this player over this player," but and they automatically assume that you don't like you know, player B, because you said you like player A more. And it's the same thing with Justin Fields and Zach, uh, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. You and I have said this plenty of times. We like both players. Like, I think Zach Wilson is going to be a great player. I just think Justin Fields is going to be a star. And, and me, when I'm look, when I'm sitting here this high in the draft, like you're trying to hit a home run, man, because picking average players, picking the safe player is how you end up back here again. Or how you end up picking in in the teens for forever, right? Go pick a player that's going to be a star. Yeah, yeah no. you can't be afraid to fail. Can't be afraid to fail. So now that we've gone on this rant, I then put Zach Wilson in a 49ers jersey uh, because I just felt, you know, hey, he's perfect for the Shanahan system, so let's just give him to Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so that gives us three quarterbacks. The first three picks are our quarterbacks. Uh Frank, you gave Kyle Pitts to the Atlanta Falcons, so you don't think you you didn't um you don't think Atlanta goes quarterback here. I don't think so. I think they're going to give it one more shot with Matt Ryan, and Kyle Pitts is probably, in my opinion, the best player. He's in this definitely draft. up there. Um, I mean, when you if you want to remove the positional value of quarterback, and you want to talk about just day day. Day one impact, yeah, Kyle Pitts definitely in that conversation for sure. Um, you know, I think he's one of, yeah, he, like you said, he's one of the best players in this draft. Uh, number five, I, I had the Cincinnati Bengals, and I could have gone could have gone cute here and gone with an offensive weapon, um, but I didn't. I went with uh, Penny Sewell, the offensive lineman from the University of Oregon, so he's going to help out. Joe Burrow there in in other ways won't catch passes, but it'll help him out. I kind of wish I did put a receiver here, so I so you I wouldn't let you do what you did, uh, which was make this guy the the first receiver <laughs> taken. So why don't you tell everybody who you gave the Miami our our division rivals the Miami Dolphins? I gave them Devonte Smith. I just feel like he's going to fit that offense perfect. Going to have that deep threat. He goes back with Tua to make a nice uh, one-two punch. You know they have Will Fuller over there, Miami, right? Miami, and it pains. Yeah, yeah no, it's I just know. for a year, though. And Will Fuller nope, doesn't never. stay healthy And he's ever. suspended for the first game of the season. So because you did that, I didn't want you to disrespect this next man anymore. So I had to send him to Detroit. Um, so And we did no trades in this draft, so... 
there goes that. So everybody knows. No trades in this draft. Um, at seven, I, I gave the Detroit Lions Jamar Chase. You know, they just lost Kenny Galladay. They don't have anybody there but Quintus Cephas. And if you're playing in some fantasy leagues, uh, that's a name to watch out for. But but Jamar Chase, he's going to go there to Detroit to be the alpha. Uh, and so, Frank, this Carolina pick, are, are you still keeping it the way it is, granted, to, you know, given today's news? I think I am. I think I am. I, I was looking at this after we got off the phone. And I was like, does Carolina still go with Trey Lance? I think so, right? Because he's he's still, in my opinion, like a developmental-ish type of quarterback. Probably could use a year on the bench to learn from uh, Joe Brady. And it's a win-win. If Sam pans out. I'm sure there'll be a team. I'm sure there'll be teams lining up to trade for Trey Lance, and if Sam doesn't show the vast improvement that he needs to do to be a starting quarterback in the league, they got somebody to go right in that's going to fit that Joe Brady. Yeah, I mean, and say you know, I like this because even say, like I said, the, the Sam Donald trade does not preclude the Carolina Panthers from drafting a quarterback or even trading up for a quarterback. So let's say you're Carolina and you choose to, you say, hey, you know, Cincinnati or Miami or even Atlanta, like, well, you know, we'll, you know, we'll give you some picks to move down, um, you know, or, you know, we'll give you a second round pick next year to move down or even a first round pick next year to move, to move down. And then you can take, um, you know, let's say Sam Darnold is playing well and you know, Trey Lance is going to need some, some seasoning you could take the Alex Smith and the Patrick Mahomes approach where you you let Sam Darnold play it out for a year, you trade you and then you end up trading him and you give the reins to Trey Lance when you think he's ready, right? So I think you could take either approach in and of itself, right? So um then number 10 or number 9 with the ninth pick, I had this pick for the Denver Broncos and I just felt like I had to go Mac Jones. I was looking at the board I mean, I I just thought that maybe Denver isn't too hot on on Drew Locke right now, and so they felt the need to uh, to replace him, and and why not replace him with someone who's a little bit more responsible uh, as opposed to Drew Locke in, in Mac Jones. So that was my choice there. So Frank Dallas Cowboys number ten. Uh, which defender did you choose to give him? I went with Caleb Farley, the cornerback uh, out of Virginia Tech. In my opinion. I just feel like he's the best cornerback in the draft. His ball skills, his hands, his vision, the way he reads uh, opposing offenses. I, I really don't see anybody close to to him as a uh, defensive back. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely your opinion. I mean, I know health has been a concern for him. Uh, I was surprised because I actually thought that this this next guy I mean there's two guys right that I think are really good but I think I mean there's a this cornerback class is pretty good right and and corner is also one of those things I say wide receiver is a flavor position but corner in in, in some ways is also a, a flavor position but it's almost because it's very scheme specific Absolutely. I was just gonna where say, some guys can, oh, it's all about scheme fit right it's all about scheme fits where some guys, you know, they wouldn't even some teams would put a sixth round a sixth round grade on a player while other teams might look at that player and and say, "Hey, that guy's that guy could be a starter for us in our scheme." And so 
you look at a guy like this, uh, Patrick Sertan, I think he's one of the, you know, I think the cornerbacks, that the defensive backs that come from Alabama, they're some of the most versatile, more scheme-diverse uh, corners, that some of the most scheme-diverse scheme defensive backs that end up coming out of college. And so you look at the New York Giants, you look at how, uh, you know, they've they've had a, a, a you know, a history of, of drafting defensive backs from the University of Alabama when you look at Landon Collins and even uh, most recently, I forget the, the, the other kid that they, they most recently drafted from there, um, the safety, but, um, you know, Patrick Sertan, I think he would fit this defense, this defense perfectly and slide in as a, as a, a top three corner for them next to James Bradbury and Adoree Jackson. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Patrick Sertan is going to be a, a, uh, great cornerback and he's got his father to lean on if he ever ever runs into any ruts yeah right we definitely got this cornerback class between Patrick Sertan J.C. Horn and Asante Samuel Jr. full of uh some some defensive some some defensive backs whose fathers we've uh we've definitely seen play so aging us a little bit here uh, what are you gonna do Nothing, but Frank, you are going to draft an offensive lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles, so who do we got here? This might be a little surprise to uh, some people. I have the Eagles taking Rashawn Slater, the offensive lineman from Northwestern. He's protected, projected to go from tackle to guard in the NFL. This guy is a road grader. When you pop on his tape, he just looks like Quentin Nelson. He just move in piles by himself, two, three guys opening up holes that tractor trailers could fit through. I really enjoy watching this player play, especially being a former offensive lineman. Like to me, I get as much enjoyment at watching him as I did Becton last year. Yeah, man, Rashawn Slater definitely a good player. Uh, he was a player I hoped would make it to my next pick, which I had, I was picking for the Chargers. I, could have thought that uh, the the Chargers would, could really use a player like Rashawn Slater, so I ended up giving them Christian Darrisaw by your recommendation. Actually, didn't know much about the kid, but looked him up, looked into him a little bit. Six five, three hundred and fourteen pounds out of Virginia Tech. Uh, this guy's he's he's athletic, but he's also got a little mean streak in him as well. So I think he slides in perfectly to this LA Chargers offensive line to help out Justin Herbert. The uh, the the, the prodigy himself. Uh, a little early for that. A little early. I mean, I, I will, I will put, I'll put it up right there, right now. Top seven quarterback in the NFL, and anybody can come in here and argue it against me. He was a top seven, or he's going to be. He is right now. All right. Uh, for the next pick, <laughs> <laughs> I had the Minnesota Vikings, and I had them taking Mika Parsons, linebacker. From Penn State. This man is going to be a problem. He is like a throwback linebacker. If I've ever seen one. Plays downfield. Sideline to sideline. Tackles really well. I'm I'm surprised he fell this, this, this long. But when you look at. Everybody else that was taken ahead of him, I can't see another team going for a linebacker this early. Yeah, man, I I, I think just what where you look at this draft class and you look at the positions that it's rich at, cornerback, quarterback, 
offensive offensive line, um, you know, those are premium positions compared to a linebacker. So Micah Parsons, Mika Parsons, however you say it, he's going to feel that. But, you know, 14, I think, is a, is a good spot. Minnesota's a team that I think would, would make a move like that. They put a premium on that position when you look at, you know, they spent p- premium picks on guys like Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks. Uh, so I think they'll continue to do that here. So I, I, I do like this pick. Um, my next pick, I, I picking for our division rivals, the New England Patriots. And so I, th- I thought, what would Bill Belichick really value right now? What could he really use? And there's all this talk of Stephon Gilmore potentially uh, playing his last year in New England. So look at a corner uh, from the University of South Carolina. Actually, that's where Steph, that's Stephon Gilmore's alma mater as well. So, uh, you know, repeating history repeats itself a little bit. The Patriots didn't draft Stephon Gilmore, but you know where I'm going. J.C. Horn from the University of South Carolina, 6'1", 205 pounds, big press corner, the son of, of uh, wide receiver Joe Horn. Uh, this kid is a problem, man. He just bullies wide receivers, man. And I look forward to watching this guy play. Yeah, he's going to be great, in my opinion. Definitely, man. So, Frank, uh, I was really mad about you, really mad at you about this next pick because uh, so, you sniped me. So, who would you give the Arizona Cardinals here at 16? Yeah, I was really hoping that this guy was going to be fall to us at 23. I have Vera Tucker, the offensive. Li- so just not take, don't take him, Frank. I had to. Like we could have just not take. I, I know. <laughs> I can't be a homer though. I can't do it. No, I know, I know, I know. I was really hoping he was going to fall to us, but I have the Cardinals taking Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman from USC. This kid's going to be an All Pro in a couple years. He he really is. He has all the tools. He's got long arms, good feet. He keeps his shoulders square when he's in that kick step. I I got nothing bad to say about him. I wish I did so he would fall to 23. Yeah, man. Elijah Vera Tucker is somebody, when you look at him, you know, 6'4", 315 pounds, played left tackle and left guard for USC. Uh, he's a smooth, he's smooth athlete, and he would have fit perfectly into this wide zone run scheme that the, that the Jets are going to install here. So, I would have really liked Elijah Vera Tucker to fall to, to 23. Uh, I was hoping, I was like, hey, maybe we should trade Sam and 20 and 23 or Sam and 34 to try to get up into the teens to get, so we can get Elijah Vera Tucker. So hopefully Joe Douglas finds a way to make it happen. My next pick with the Las Vegas Raiders, I ended up going with a, a linebacker here, uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Uh, linebacker from Notre Dame, 6'1", 215, built like a safety. But this guy runs and covers like a safety, hits like a linebacker, man. Uh, this dude is a, is a serious problem, and he fits perfectly in today's NFL. And when you look at the Las Vegas Raiders, you look at one of the biggest weaknesses on their defense in the most recent years. I mean, it's been all over the place, honestly, but they have not had a linebacker. They've been trying to fill that position uh, either through free agency, whether through draft picks. And I think a guy like Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa uh, will fit perfectly into what they're trying to do, playing these teams like the Chiefs and the Chargers with these running backs that, that like to boogie in the pass game. Oh, without a doubt. He's going to make a huge impact on day one. Definitely, man. So 
Frank, I, did I did I snipe you here? Because you went linebacker for the Dolphins, man. So who'd you give the, the Dolphins here at 18? Yeah, you sniped me. But it's okay. Uh, we could give the Dolphins a screw on here. I I still think they did okay with Aziz Algeri, the linebacker out of Georgia. Play sideline to sideline. They're probably going to put him on that uh, that hybrid linebacker. DN role. Yeah. They probably wish Micah Parsons got I, I here strugg- for him. I struggled with this pick because I don't know if he could play the hybrid, but if the Dolphins select him, and I think they are because they, they need a pass rusher, um, he's going to be asked to play that. Yeah, I mean. But he might he, – he, he, like to me, if I could compare him to somebody, it would be like a Jordan Jenkins, Calvin Pace type that uh, us Jet fans know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So for me with the Washington football team, I went with a guy. Now you talk about a guy who's mean. This guy, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, this guy is a problem. 6'3", 6'6", 320 pounds, uh, predominantly plays on the right side, a tackle for Oklahoma State. But he could play some guard here too. This guy is nasty. I mean, you brought up Quentin Nelson. Uh, this guy reminded me of Quentin Nelson a little bit as well. Uh, this is a, a clip of him taking a defensive lineman literally to the sideline and burying him into a coach. Uh, so Tevin Jenkins, I think, would fit perfectly. You look at the Washington football team, Brandon Scherf, he's a free agent potentially. He's on the franchise tag. So he could eat, Tevin Jenkins could either slide in on this offensive line or potentially take over for Scherf on the right side. Oh, absolutely. And he, he fits – what that team is trying to do. Oh, definitely. That Ron Rivera <laughs> one first offense. Definitely, definitely. So, Frank, you felt like you needed to stop the slide of a guy here. So, who would you give the Bears at 20? Yeah, I didn't – I guess it's just how our board fell, but Jalen Waddell is a, a number one receiver in this league. And I think eventually he's going to take – over that role, and they're going to let Allen Robinson walk. And whoever's quarterback for the Bears, because I don't, I don't think Andy Dalton's going to last too long there, but Jalen Waddle is going to be a very productive receiver. I comp him to like a Kenny Galladay type. Wow, really? Kenny Galladay? I mean, that their types, their body types are completely different. When you look at Waddle, 5'10", Kenny Galladay is like 6'4". Yeah, I think Waddle plays plays bigger than his frame. Yeah, I mean Waddle's explosive. I know I've seen a bunch of Tyreek Hill comps. Uh, you know, I've seen a bunch of you know a more explosive Henry Ruggs things like that. But Kenny Gallaudet, that's the first. Um, my my, I'm going with for the Indianapolis Colts. I actually wanted to give the the Washington Football Team this guy at 19, but. Uh, I, you know, Tevin Jenkins just seemed like the fit here. So I went with uh, Rashad Bateman for the Colts here. Wide receiver, uh, measured in on his pro day at six foot, 190 pounds. Uh, but this guy is is like, he's so crafty with his routes. And uh, it's almost like, remember how Stevie Johnson used to run these funky, these funky routes? Uh, it's not to that level. But it was almost like everything he was asked to do at Minnesota was a uh, was an option route, and so this guy he's so 
you know, the separation that he gets at the top of his routes, at, the, at you know, at the top of his breaks is really awesome to see. And he's just so physical at the catch point. And the way he, he gets up field, and he's, he's definitely got some juice. So I think when you look at the Colts, they can build – you know, so, you know their 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 form of a, a big physical receiver duo between Bateman and, and Michael Pittman. So, I definitely like that one. Frank, the Titans at twenty two. What do you think their their big need their big need here was? Oh, uh, their big need is corner. It's not even close. Um, <clears throat> I had them select Greg Newsom, the second from Northwestern, the cornerback. He's been flying up the board as of late. I I really, in a couple of mocks that I've done uh, off-air with you, I've had him penciled in at 23 to the Jets because God knows the Jets need cornerback help. Um, but I, I just don't see him lasting that long. Yeah, no, Greg Newsom flying up draft boards. I know one of the, the picks we talked about with the Titans here was Rashad Bateman because the Titans could could definitely use a receiver after, after losing Corey Davis in free agency. Uh, but Greg Newsom, they definitely need that because they cut like three of their their cornerbacks or three of their defensive backs this year. So uh, I was actually I was not I was happy, but I wasn't happy because I didn't have to f- try to pick between Greg Newsom and this next guy for the New York Jets at twenty three. But I went with Alex Leatherwood, offensive lineman from Alabama, six six. 312 pounds, has experience playing tackle, but he's going to come in here and he's going to play guard. And guess what? We're going to put him right next to Makai Becton on the left side, and we're going to build the the wall that Joe Douglas wanted. But instead of Sam, it'll be somebody else. But Alex Leatherwood, man, he's a, he's a monster, and he's so gifted athletically. And you look at him next to a guy like Makai Becton, Two, two behemoths that are just athletically gifted. Frank, I know you love this pick, so why don't you talk more about Alex Leatherwood, man? I love this pick. Now, I'm torn. If the Jets draft Leatherwood, I'm torn of making the Great Wall of Jersey or putting um, Leatherwood, on, Leatherwood on the other side because then you'll have one alpha type at left tackle, and then one alpha type at right guard. And now you could run on either side of the ball. Um, but on the other hand, if you put them next together, you got the you got the old 90s Dallas Cowboys type of offensive line where if you're running to the left side, it don't matter what defense you're going up against. You should be able to get four or five yards a clip no matter who the running backs are that the Jets are imploring yeah i mean i think actually you, you might bring up a, a solid point putting him on the right side separating them a little bit and then then you can pull either one of them and that's when things really get dangerous for the for the opposing teams here um so i, I like that idea so frank who'd you give the steelers here at 24 i had the steelers selecting tyson campbell cornerback georgia university University of Georgia, Tyson Campbell, sliding up some draft boards as well uh, with his athleticism and his ability to play some off coverage. And the Steelers looking to replace some corners with Steven Nelson. Uh, I think this is at the point the point where I started making these picks by myself, Frank. So I'm going to let you react to them Let me, and we could talk, we could discuss them together. But Jacksonville Jaguars, I gave them Quiddy Pay. Defensive lineman from Michigan. He, he slid a little bit for us in our mock draft here. Uh, but 6'4", 272 pounds. What do you think 
of Quiddy Pay going to Jacksonville, Frank. Yeah, they they needed to fill that void from uh, trading Calais Campbell in previous years, Ngakwe uh, this year, um, and Quiddy Pay is the best defensive lineman in the draft. There's just not a lot of day one caliber defensive lineman this year for some odd reason. Yeah, it's just not very top heavy and you know, there's some better you know, better value at other positions. Um so, you know, I think that's kind of where it goes. And then Cleveland, you know, this was a pick that I thought I I was like, what would Cleveland do here, you know? And I'm like, well, they're picking one pick ahead of the Baltimore Ravens and the Baltimore Ravens can really use a receiver. But you know, Cleveland could also use a receiver because Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, you know, their contracts are in places where the Cleveland Browns can get out of them. And you look at that scheme and that system that they run, uh, it's almost Shanahan-ish with Stefanski over there and the Browns. So I gave them Rondell Moore, Frank. He's one of my favorite players in this class. He's one of my favorite wide receivers in this draft. So what did you think of this pick, Frank? I think he's going to be more of a upside fantasy football player than someone you can depend on week to week. Well, I mean, if we're talking, I mean, I will I will argue this all day with, with Rondell Moore because we're talking about a guy who's 5'7", 181 pounds, ran a 4'3", 7", 42.5-inch vertical jump. And if you watch his tape, this dude ate up Ohio State as a, as a true freshman, uh, you know, and we're talking about like 12 catches ate up Ohio State. Uh, and, and, you know, teams have to respect, defensive backs have to respect his speed because it's truly elite speed. And so he just eats up off coverage. He's able to make plays after the catch. He's one of the best wide receivers in this class after the catch. He's one of the best punt returners in this class. Uh, Rondell Moore will be a productive wide receiver week in week out especially in today's game where it's going where we get they're getting wide receivers more involved in the run game as well Rondell Moore adds that element to his game he has an element to his game I'd love for the Jets to take him we have way too many needs but we would not take him at 23 but or 34 but I'd love for that to happen yeah we, we need that type of receiver it's just not happened this early nope Nope, not here. So, Frank, I gave Jalen Phillips a pass rusher to the Baltimore Ravens. They lost Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Matt Judon. They lost him as well to the New England Patriots. So they are hurting at edge rusher. So Jalen Phillips, the unit from the University of Miami, 6'5", 266 pounds. Uh, Dude had a, a hell of a pro day as well. So what do you what do you make of this pick? Jalen Phillips to the, to the Baltimore. I like Jalen Phillips a lot. I'm just surprised you went to that edge from the U instead of the guy that Scheme I think fit. is the best. Scheme fit. Yeah, I hear you. But for me, it's talent always over scheme fit. Well, you could argue that Jalen Phillips was the most talented player on the Miami. Well, Rousseau opted out last year. Well, I'm just saying you could say Jalen Phillips was the most talented player. Because Rousseau wasn't on the team. <laughs> uh, no, but Jalen Phillips also you know, had a, a dynamic workout as well. Uh, Brett Coleman, who does great work, great film work, called Jalen Phillips a, 
a combination of um of the both the Watt brothers, which I thought was interesting. And so uh you know I I'm I'm Jalen Phillips is somebody I'm interested in. I think that he would he would probably be a good fit for the Jets, but I hear you, Greg Rousseau. I, again, I chose scheme fit. When you look at the, the the Baltimore Ravens, they're looking for a specific body type here, and uh, I think we're, I no, think- you're right. And and I and I hate that I'm being being that type of guy that I'm. It might seem like I'm knocking Phillips, but I'm not. I I just am a huge fan of Rousseau. Yeah, you prefer Rousseau, and that's and that's completely fine. Don't worry, he's coming. He's coming soon. Uh, for the New Orleans Saints, I gave them a corner. They need help in defensive backs. They've been looking for corners forever. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore just found himself in some legal trouble as well. So I went with Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State. Um, you know, I you know he's similar to his father, and he he's, he's dominant in off coverage. He's able to read uh, pattern pattern recognition and is able to jump on those on those routes and, and, and make plays on the football. So what'd you make of this pick, Frank? Man, I was hoping he was going to fall to 34. I, I was reading the other day that uh, Asante Samuel Jr. has been working out with uh, Antonio Cromartie, getting ready to come up from the draft, being that they both uh, attended Florida State. And if Crow could part some of his knowledge onto this kid, this kid is going to be a beast. Yeah, I mean, if if even if he just gets what he got from his father, I think he'll be all right. But adding some some of that Antonio Camardi, hopefully he can get some of that length and that and that height and that uh, ridiculous athleticism as well. But uh, no, Asante Samuel, he's he's going to be a great man. I mean, he's got instincts just like his father. It's kind of just crazy to watch these kids play. Um, you know, you know, we just saw. Recently, I'm forgetting his name, but uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., right? We just saw him win a Super Bowl, and it's kind of nuts that we were watching his father play for like 14, year, 14 15, 16 years in the league. So kind of wild to, 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 to say that. Um, but at 29 with the Green Bay Packers, that's where I gave them your guy, Frank, and Greg Rousseau. Uh, they I felt like you know they could use an edge player here. Uh, Mike Pettin no longer in Green Bay, so don't have to worry about a scheme fit here. Uh, don't even really know what scheme they're running, but the Packers don't really strike me as a team right now that really know what they're drafting. Uh, so Greg Rousseau, that was the guy I gave them. So what would you think of this pick, Frank? Love it, love it, love it. it. Green Bay's been haunted by their defense probably since Aaron Rodgers has taken over that team. Haunted by their defense, haunted by that they don't surround Aaron Rodgers with enough weapons. And maybe they can put enough pressure on opposing defenses this year, being that Pettin is gone, to take a little bit of the pressure off Rodgers. But I think Rousseau is going to be the next great pass rusher in this league. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we're definitely going to see. We're going to have to, to you know look at this... Uh... In, in years to come because, you know, we, we could get a little Jalen Phillips, Greg Rousseau bet going on because, uh, you know, looking at some of these athletic numbers and I'm not really a fan of Greg Rousseau's numbers athletically, but, you know, he's got good length. He's got good college production, which is important. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah will always say college production is one of the most important things for a college pass rusher. 
So I'll give them that. Uh, but definitely going to see how this one turns out. For the Buffalo Bills, I went. Uh, we could bet lunch on that. Oh, yeah. We could bet. We could definitely bet lunch. We could do a round, whatever you want to do, Frank. What do you want to do? Sacks, sacks by the end of year one, year two? Uh, we'll do year three. Year three? Collective uh, sacks. Collective sacks. Can I get a dinner for this if I got to wait three years? <laughs> yeah, I, I expect to, you take me out to Benjamin's Steakhouse. <laughs> okay, so then you got to take me to uh, to Southern Table, that nice uh, local spot that I like so much. And you got it. All right, done deal. Um, so for the Buffalo Bills, I gave them linebacker Dylan Moses out of Alabama. So, Frank, what did we make of this pick here? With Dylan Moses, the running back or the linebacker, he's going to fit that team and what that team is all about. Perfect, that hard nose Buffalo type of team coming from Alabama. So you know he's a smart football player playing for Saban. He's just a tough nose football player. Another throwback type of player that's got pretty good uh, athletic skill to him. I just think Buffalo is really rounding themselves into a really good team as of late. And it makes me want to cry. Yeah, no, they're they're definitely on their way to being a great team. Um, I actually don't even think they make this pick because a smart team probably isn't going to make this pick. So I, I honestly didn't know what Buffalo would do from this spot. Uh, you know, they're, uh, Brandon Breen, he's one of the most creative, one of the most uh, intuitive GMs in the National Football League. So I don't even think he makes this pick. Maybe he trades up. Maybe he trades back. Um, but I don't think they're taking a linebacker here at, at 30. It might be something with a little bit more positional value. Maybe think defensive line, edge rusher, uh, corner, uh, something along those lines. Offensive line, I just don't think it's going to be Dylan Moses. Um, but I picked it, right, because I, I ran out of players and I didn't really know who else to put in this spot. Um, but at 31 for the Kansas City Chiefs, I went with Wyatt Davis, offensive lineman from Ohio State, 6'4", 315 pounds. Expect him to slide in on the interior. And I think the uh, you know the, the, the Chiefs, they cut some of their offensive linemen. They're trying to make room, but they also added some as well. Uh, and I think they're just trying to reload this offensive line. And I don't think they're trying to do one of these slow rebuilds that takes a, that takes a few years. I think they're trying to put premium resources into it right now because they know that Patrick Mahomes is their number one investment and they have to protect that investment. So, Frank, what do you make of the pick here and my rationale behind it? I like, I like your rationale. Kansas City is going to be dangerous. I just don't know if they go Wyatt. Or if they go Humphreys here. Yeah, I mean, Humphreys, is Humphreys, can Humphreys play tackle? No, he's the center. He's the center? Okay, so, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I just thought they needed an offensive lineman. Uh, something on the interior made sense. Uh, I would have liked to give them a tackle here, like Tevin Jenkins or, or Elijah Vera Tucker, but they weren't going to make it, but... Um, yeah, no, I think, you know, they did recently get rid of Rodney Hudson. So I think, or not Rodney Hudson. No, no, they did get rid of Rodney Hudson. Was that them? No, I'm getting him confused because, because Rodney Hudson, did they get rid of Rodney Hudson? They got rid of the two tackles. Rodney Hudson used to play for the Raiders, right? Because Rodney Hudson used to play for the Chiefs is what I, correct. Yeah. Is why I'm getting confused. 
Yes. And now he plays. Yeah, there was a lot of movement this free agency. It's not your fault. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, so we'll yeah, curious to see what happens there. But I think, you know, adding an interior offensive lineman is definitely on the list for Kansas City. And then with the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I gave them Ayafetu Mela Melafanawu, uh, the cornerback from Syracuse. 6'3", 213 pounds. I thought about our old buddy Todd Bowles and how he would probably love a corner like this. And so that's what I did. Yeah, it's going to fit that defense pretty well. I just don't know how long Todd's going to be there to reap the benefits of this player. Not for any re- not for any bad reasons, all for good reasons. But um, Well, no, all for good reasons. He's going to be another head coach real soon. Real soon. Speaking of Todd, speaking of good... Let's talk about the good. Usually we wrap this up with best and worst, but I, I convinced Frank this time that we had to just keep it with a best in honor of our guy, my guy. I mean, I'll, I'll claim him because I know Frank doesn't Your want to, guy. Frank doesn't want to claim Sam him. Sam Stan right here. In honor of Sam Darnold, in honor of, uh, you know, because at one point in time, Sam, you know, Frank's going to call me a Sam Stan, but at one point in time, Frank rooted for this kid just as hard as I did, um, if not harder so um frank why don't you give us your your best sam Darnold moment sure you know i you know i can't do good without the bad so i'm gonna pick the first game that sam Darnold ever played and that was against the detroit lions and when he threw the ball across his body first pass of the game Pick six, and it was a collective dough for all Jet fans. Like, oh, here we go. Another not smart quarterback making another dumb decision. But he he came back, had a really, really solid game. We blew out the Lions 48-17 to in that game, and we thought we had a Hall of Fame quarterback on our hands. Yeah, man. I remember being on cloud nine. So was Jamal Adams uh, in a tweet that had since been deleted. Uh, said the Jets. He told you how the Jets were different. The culture's different. Uh, but how quickly we all found out that it wasn't different. And it was, in fact, the same. Because uh, the Jets went on to uh, to lose their, their three games. After that, uh, they, they won two games and they proceeded to lose another three games and in that third loss that they ensued Sam Darnold uh, was injured uh, missed the following three games came back in a, in a game against Buffalo and a comeback win against the, the Buffalo Bills uh, we actually returned from an injury but that wasn't my favorite moment my favorite moment was what transpired the week after that Buffalo game and I was in that stadium the week after that Buffalo game in MetLife as they took on the Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. And that was when they still had DeAndre Hopkins uh, before Bill O'Brien had ruined that team. Um, but in a game that basically, to, you know, the Jets took it down to the wire almost, a 29-22 finish that ultimately was a loss. But Sam Darnold played what people will tell you uh, was one of, if not his best games to date as a New York Jet, completing 24 of 38 passes, good for 63% completion percentage, 253 yards, two touchdowns, um, you know, averaged 
6.66 yards per attempt. Also had 35 yards on the ground as well. Um, you know, he and he was just doing things. He, I know. I remember he made one throw where he he spun out. Um, you know, he rolled out to his left. Uh, you know, makes a throw on the sideline. Uh, had a few plays with Robbie that were just you know really you know really phenomenal plays and really good throws. Had one of those plays that was similar to the Buffalo game the week before, where he's dancing in the back and down down by the goal line and finds finds Robbie Anderson free. You know, JJ Watt after that game had said you know glowing things about Sam Donald as well. So uh, you know that was really it was a really it was a moment for me that I, I really. Uh, you know, clung to as a Jets fan and said, hey, you know, Sam Darnold's really good if you look at this Houston game. And even, you know, I'm going to steal this game as well, Frank. I'm going to, you know, go into the Green Bay game because it was literally the next week, uh, you know, 24 of 35, almost a 68, 68.6% completion percentage, 341 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, um, you know, you know, going toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers in a game that ended up going to overtime. Uh, but, you know, but through those in that two game stretch, we're talking about Sam Darnold go sixteen game pace of uh, four thousand seven hundred fifty two yards, forty touchdowns, no interceptions, and a sixty five point six percent or sixty five point eight percent completion percentage. So, uh, you know, it just seemed like. He was. He had really things had really clicked for him, and that we were gonna. We had a star on our hands. Yeah, we thought so. And then the Jets uh, signed Adam Gaze as their head coach. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much what it went down. Uh, Frank, did you have any other moments that Sam Darnold? You know, any other good Sam Darnold moments? I, I want to say no, but. I, I am not a liar. Uh, I had his rookie year when the Jets played the Colts. I think that was the game where Myers set the Jets record for seven field goals in the 42-34 win against the uh, Andrew Luck Colts. Uh, Darnold was 24 for 30 for 280 yards. Uh, he threw TD to uh, tell Terrell Pryor and Chris Herndon. This is the game where I really thought Sam started to turn a corner in his rookie year, and you really started to see that that promise that we as Jet fans were feeling going into year two and year three. He just, for some reason or another, just couldn't put it all together with Adam Gaze as the head coach. I mean, who could? Can't blame him. But, uh, Frank, I know there's one more moment that we both – when we were talking about this, one of a, one that we both really, really talked about and, and both agreed upon uh, as a moment that we would both talk about because it was something I think was really, you know, huge for all Jets fans at the time. Uh, first season with Adam Gase, it was miserable. Uh, Sam Darnold after week one, after a disappointing week one loss, contracted mono. Uh, and so he was out. And so the Jets were just 0-5, winless, and it was just, or sorry, 0-4 rather. 0-4, they were winless, and it just felt like, you know, the season was already lost. And Sam Darnold made that first, uh, that first, you know, return against the Dallas Cowboys in a game that was, 
not it wasn't prime time, but it was in the 4 p.m. slot, so it was the game of the week, Fox's game of the week. I remember being at that game live, Frank, and you could just feel the energy in the stadium. Uh, everybody knew Sam Darnold was back, and that you could just tell that fans had felt like we had hope again. For the first time all season, we, we had hope. Uh, since week since we opened week one against Buffalo, and to feel that energy and to feel that to feel that in that stadium, and for Sam Darnold to perform the way he did uh, with that seventy five yard touchdown pass, or, or or sorry, it was a ninety two yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson, um, twenty three of thirty two, seventy one point eight percent completion percentage, three hundred thirty eight yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Frank, what'd you make of of that day and, and of that moment with, with Sam Darnold? I thought that's where we're turning the corner. I really did. I thought as a as a team with Adam Gaze as a coach, because that's the thing with Adam Gaze. He he gave us like little glimpses of what the offense could be if he just got out of his head. You know, you would have games, you would have quarters, you would have drives where you sit back and you're like, okay. I, I see what he's trying to do, and then we wouldn't see it for 10 straight weeks. And it, it, it just drives you crazy because it's if we had a different coaching staff, if we hired McCarthy, if we hired Rule, where would this kid be? You know, it, you know, a lot of people call me a Sam hater, but I'm just results-driven, and he didn't perform. He didn't have a great coaching staff. So the Jets did what they thought they should do and just clear house altogether. Yeah, I mean, what else can you do at this point in time, right? I mean, you you don't know what. Nah, the he's kid... the captain of the ship. Yeah, I mean, it is it's what you have to do. So, um, all right, man. I think that's it. That's all we have. But Sam Donald, you know, we we wish that it could have worked out, uh, but we know that it wasn't for a lack of effort on your part. You were. You know, you were great with the media. You were great with the fans. Uh, I I just want to personally say thank you. Uh, I know Frank wants to say thank you, but he won't actually say it, so I'll say it for him. But thank you, Sam Darnold, and uh, good luck in Carolina. Everybody, thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful evening, and we hope that you have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you all around draft time. See you guys later. Check out our social media pages.